Well, it would be really helpful if you could have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 14, to the second half of that from verse 26, as we continue in our 1 Corinthians series together. Uh, we're in week 15 of 18, so we're coming to a close pretty soon. Uh, but as we approach this passage today, let's ask God's help to help us today. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to gather together, uh, to be able to be instructed, taught, encouraged, and built up. And we pray that as we unpack this passage today, that you'll help us to do exactly that. Uh, build us up in our faith and build us up in our knowledge and love of you as we use our gifts to build each other up. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, I wonder if you've ever been to a noisy restaurant or a loud bar with a group of friends, and you've tried to hold a conversation. Now, what happens is that you probably start off attempting to chat to the whole table, but because everybody is speaking so loud and the music is so loud, you end up shouting, then another person ends up shouting, and then you can't hear a thing because everybody is talking above one another. Uh, fine, you think, it's all about the atmosphere, uh, so you go along with it. Uh, you attempt to speak to the people right next to you or at your, your end of the table. However, it's the same deal, loud noises, the noises rise, you can't hear a thing, so you just give up and end up eating your own meal in silence. And the introverts amongst us probably think that you'd rather be at home eating in peace and quiet. Uh, now... Before you go calling me a grumpy old man or suggesting I go get a hearing test, uh, just imagine that if we were to meet here today, but instead of just having one speaker up the front, everyone just went about doing their own things, uh, preaching their own sermons, speaking in tongues all above each other with the noise rising, it would be chaos. It wouldn't help anyone. It wouldn't build up anyone and it wouldn't reflect God's character. Well, in order that this doesn't happen, Paul has been writing to the Corinthians for the past two chapters about how to use their gifts and what to do when they meet together. And today we'll see that our gifts have been given to build up the church, uh, to be used in love, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 13. And last week, we saw they're to be used to foster understanding, participation, and belief among the church. And so to wrap this up, as we approach this passage today, Paul urges the Corinthians and us to use our gifts even with restraint so that our gatherings would be orderly, church-building, and God-glorifying. Because our God isn't a God of chaos, he is a God of order. So then our gatherings are to reflect, by, uh, to build up the church, reflect God's character, and be driven by God's word. So look with me from verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So firstly, everyone has gifts to use and gifts to bring to the gatherings. Now, as we often say when we approach these types of lists in, in these letters, uh, this definitely isn't an exhaustive list, 
Uh, Paul is referring to those gifts which involve speaking or singing, uh, mainly verbal gifts, those which make noise. So people have prepared these things and have all come together. So then what do we do when everybody comes together? Well, we gather in an ordered fashion to enable full participation and the building up of the church. See, if everybody was to speak over one another, it would just be like a busy restaurant. Uh, then somebody may launch into their favourite hymn and then somebody else started playing the bagpipes. It would be a disorganised, chaotic mess. And then inevitably, if there were no restraints, there would just be kind of a spiritual one-upmanship about it, wouldn't there? If everybody just kept on going without stopping, there would be kind of like a spiritual gifts-off competition. Uh, who can prophesy the longest? Who can prophesy the deepest? And if we all come together with no restraint, then this is what will happen. And remember, the Corinthians are still holding up tongues as the best gift. So in order to bring order to this mess and to facilitate the building up of the church... Paul lays out some very clear, granular details here. Look with me from verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. See, Paul doesn't elevate nor ignore tongues, now he puts regulations on them so that they would be about the giver and not the gifted. So that they would be about God and not themselves. So then as a result of this, only two or maybe three can speak, one at a time. If people want to show off their spiritual prowess by speaking in tongues for an hour and hours and hours on time, well, they can't and they shouldn't because the gifts aren't about them they for the church. See, if we use our gifts without the acknowledgement of the one who gives them and without the intent of serving the body here, then we'd be using our gifts to serve ourselves and point to ourselves. If we use our gifts without the intent of serving God, then we're using them to build up ourselves. And the underlying cause of this, well, is our pride. We can fall into the trap of comparing our gifts and thinking that our gifts may be so much better than other people's, or we're probably more prone to thinking that our gifts aren't good enough compared to other people's. We could fall into the trap of finding our identity in our gifts so much so that if we aren't using them, then somehow we're disappointed or we can probably more often fall into the trap of not using our gifts because somehow we think that we won't be useful. But in these chapters, in this whole section from chapter 12 to 14, Paul says, be eager to serve. Serve together. You're all given gifts to use in the church. You have a role to play in the building up of the church. But the filter that we should use when discerning our gifts and when discerning how and when to use our gifts should be, will what I'm about to do build up the church? So for me, uh, will this sermon build up the church or build up Michael? 
Will this guitar line build up the church or build up Michael? Sometimes I've got it wrong, and I'll continue to get it wrong. But we are called to do what we do so that the church may be built up. So therefore, for this context, for the Corinthians, when it comes specifically to tongues, if there's no interpretation, then it's just noise and not understandable to anyone, as we saw last week, and it won't build up the church. And if it isn't building up the church, the speaker is to keep quiet. Uh, the Greek word here is sigato, uh, to show restraint, to hold the tongue so that the church may be built up and may reflect God's character. Now, similarly to those speaking in tongues, those who wish to prophesy don't have the monopoly on the microphone in the church. So look at me from verse 29. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be in instructed and encouraged. Now, last week, we defined prophecy as having a deep spiritual insight into the Word of God, a deep interpretation of it, and then an apt application of it for the church. Uh, this isn't about going to some kind of spiritual trance and foretelling of the future. Uh, this is unpacking, explaining, and applying God's Word for right now and into the future. And this is so critical that Paul says that this should happen in the gathering. When he, was speaking in when he was speaking about tongues, he said, if someone was to speak in tongues, now he says, when someone prophesies, the prophets must be weighed up. That is, they must be tested to see what they said is genuine, to see if it matches up with what God has spoken in the past and what God has revealed in Jesus. Because if it doesn't match up to God's word, it won't build up God's church and won't reflect God's character. Now, this isn't an exact correlation, but everything that we hear or that we read about God, whether it is here at St. Bart's or listening to our favourite podcast or reading a blog post on social media, we shouldn't just take what we read or hear at face value. We should test it. Test it against the Word of God. Uh, people are going to make mistakes at best or may want to lead people astray at worst. So we have to make sure that we test and see what we hear is genuine. Is this in line with God's Word? Does this reflect God's character? Does this build up the church to be more like Christ? Uh, that's why pretty much every sermon that you hear at St. Bart's, whoever is, is preaching will ask you to have your Bibles open so that you can test it and see that what we're saying is in line with God's Word. So testing. Secondly, moving on, Paul limits prophecies to two or three and then limits their time to whenever someone has something to say. If someone speaks up, the prophet was to stop. They were to hold their tongue. They were to sigato, the same Greek word as we saw earlier for those who wanted to speak in tongues, but no interpreter. 
show restraint. Because this gift isn't about the prophet, isn't about the person showing off their gifts and showing off how great they are. Uh, This isn't about Christian leaders who claim to be prophets going around and selling stadiums. No, this gift, like all gifts, is for the instructioning and the building up of the body, not of the person's ego. So then Paul limits it. Uh, As we saw last week, this gift fully engages the mind as well, as well as being fully spiritual. So those with the gift are more than able to control themselves. That's why Paul writes in verse 32 here that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. God gives us gifts to use in the context of the church to use in a controlled manner, in a peaceful manner, because God isn't a God of disorder, but a God of peace. As we gather here at St. Bart's every week, our gatherings are planned out so that people can participate and so that the body will be built up and so that we may reflect God's character. Now, this doesn't mean that our meetings have to be boring and dull. Of course not. The gospel isn't boring and dull. But it means that our gatherings shouldn't be chaotic nor be disordered. So if that means that I need to cigato, to hold off, to show restraint, to hold my tongue, to be silent, then that's okay. We should do all that we do, even remaining quiet at times, to build up the body and reflect God's character. And this applies to all God's people. And now here in verse 34, he applies it to a certain context. Now, when we hear this, look at me at verse 34, that women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. Uh, we may recoil and think, Paul, this is crazy. What, what, what are you doing here? Not allowing women to ever speak in the church? But we can know for certain that Paul doesn't mean that women can never speak in the church. A few weeks ago, we saw in chapter 11 how Paul went to great extents, very granular extents, to lay out how men and women were both to have full participation in the public prayer and prophecy of the church. So then this has led some people to say about these verses in chapter 14, Uh, that this is just an entry of a grumpy scribe and not really Paul's words. Uh, But we can have great assurance that these words are in fact Paul's. So when we come to the context of chapter 14, there must be something specific happening, something specific between married men and women in the gathering of the church. So let's just take a step back and remember the big picture of this chapter. Paul has been talking about how worship is to be ordered and not chaotic. Uh, Paul's been speaking about the weighing up of prophecy. And in chapter 11, Paul's been speaking about how wives and husbands shouldn't act in a way that brings dishonor or shame on the other person. So then Paul is probably talking about a situation where a wife is interrupting and undermining her husband in the full public view of the church, center stage, most certainly not ordered. 
Now, Paul isn't implying that this is a characteristic of women, but that is, or, or something like this, must have been an issue for the Corinthian church. Uh, for in the first century, that interaction would have brought incredible shame and embarrassment on both husband and wife. So Paul says, just, just hold off. Sigato, hold off for a moment to keep order. But then when it comes to a different setting, especially at home, all questions and any questions should and must be asked. Everything is on the table as followers of Jesus, both male and female, seek to follow him more faithfully. Now, sometimes these verses have been interpreted differently. But any interpretation that silences or subjugates for anyone from either gender, any race, or any background is just not on. Any interpretation that hinders anyone from following Christ, from participating in the gathering of the local church, just doesn't stack up. Because that's not God's nature or character. He is the one who welcomes all people from all walks of life to turn to him and experience the warmth of his love. And then whatever we do, whether male or female, whether we have the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues, or whatever gift, we're called to order our lives, to bring restraint in our lives, to use our gifts, to use them in love, to reflect God's character, to build up the church, and then to serve God under Christ and be driven by his word. So then what do we do with all of this? Uh, why can't we use our gifts in just a big old free-for-all? What is Paul to tell us what to do? Isn't he just being a big spoil sport here? Uh, well, Paul doesn't uh, hold back, once again, at the Corinthians here, using sarcasm. So look at me from verse 36. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Uh, Paul is kind of saying here, like a frustrated parent of a teenager, uh, who died and made you the centre of the universe? Gifts, gatherings and grace aren't about the Corinthians and they aren't about us. They've been given as a phenomenal gift from God for his church, both locally here and abroad around the world. And this is what God has spoken through his apostle Paul and has written here in his word, and we reject it at a cost. See, any form of ministry that we do mustn't be about us, but must be about Jesus. John the Baptist, probably the greatest follower of Jesus, said that he must increase while I must decrease. See, here at St. Bart's, we aren't out to make a name for ourselves. We're about making Jesus' name known. And then this should shape all that we do here 
and how we use our gifts and even how we order and restrain ourselves from using our gifts for God's glory. See, we do this to build God's church and not ourselves. We do this to keep order and not be chaotic because our God is a God of order. He is the one who created a good, ordered creation which we made a mess of because of our sin, because of the fall. He is the one who stepped into our chaos and into our mess to bring us ultimate order in having peace with God because of the cross. He is the one who, as we'll see over the next two weeks, rose again and will come again to make ultimate order of this world. Evil will be judged. Death will be defeated. And peace will reign. And until that day comes again, we must gather together to point each other to him. And for each of us to use our gifts for the building up of this church for God's glory. So let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Our gracious Lord and heavenly King, how we thank you so much that you are a God of order, that you are a God of stability that you're a rock and a mighty fortress. So, gracious Lord, we pray that as we gather together every week and more, that you help us all to use our gifts, that you help us to use our gifts not to point to ourselves, but point to you in the ultimate hope that we have because of the gospel. We pray that here at St. Bart's that we will continually be strengthened and built up in the knowledge and love of Jesus as we gather together, as we do life together, all for your glory. And we pray this for now and for many decades and centuries to come. In Jesus' name, amen.